0: I'm John Reem. Welcome to the Nebraska Comployment podcast. Uh today's May Friday, May 8th, and I'm recording our 15th episode. So, we're roughly 2 months into the COVID-19 coronavirus crisis, and I just want to start this episode with some how with some stories or just some basic facts about how this is impacting my clients. I have at least three workers compensation clients who have been exposed to COVID-19 or have it. Um, all three of them are involved in meatpacking. Uh, yesterday I filed a suit under the, um, the family's first uh, Coronavirus Response Act amendments to the Family Medical Leave Act. To, I filed that on behalf of a uh, nursing aide in a case, filed one of those. Um, just spoke with a new client today who had a fairly ordinary workers' comp injury that the recovery has been complicated by being put under quarantine, from a potential work-related exposure to COVID nineteen. So it within the last few weeks COVID nineteen for me, I mean I haven't been exposed to it that I know of, and I don't think any of my family members have been, but several of my clients have been. And it's not, you know, it's not just looking at the, the tallies and the numbers or or looking at reports on TV. These are people that I've met these are clients that I have, and uh, it's it's scary to see. Last week or last episode, the title was "Covid nineteen strikes Nebraska hard." Well, as of May eighth, uh, Covid nineteen is still striking Nebraska hard. I looked in the New York Times yesterday of a list by county of the highest per capita. COVID-19 exposures, and five of the top 31 counties in the United States uh, it are, are meatpacking communities in Nebraska. Five highest of five of the top 31 are meatpacking counties in Nebraska. Dakota County, I think, was four. Dawson was 11. Colfax was 16. Hall was 29. And Saline County was 31. So... And in those packing house towns, again, Dakota, there's a Tyson plant, Dawson, there's a Tyson plant, Colfax, there's a there's a uh, Cargill plant, Hall County's GBS, and Saline is Smithfield Foods. Those communities have COVID exposure rates. Those counties have COVID exposure rates comparable to c- counties in the New York City metro area. So that's how serious... COVID-19 here is in Nebraska. And I'm a native Nebraskan. I've lived here most of my life. And I can tell you one of the most existential fears that Nebraskans have is we don't want Nebraska to look bad. We don't want Nebraska to be embarrassed. And these numbers are embarrassing. And so that's why, you know, Governor Ricketts has decided we're not going to allow uh local officials to report exposures by individual packing houses anymore. I guess you can still track them by county, but, you know, we're trying to suppress the claims here. And, you know, again, Nebraska, yeah, Nebraska is looking bad for this and we deserve it. And, but it's also different than, you know, the Huskers getting beat by getting pounded by Ohio state or Michigan or Minnesota or, Iowa, who would have thunk? But you know, this is a public health crisis going on here, and with COVID nineteen, many people in the you know general public, people that aren't occupational worker occupational health or workers safety and workers comp people are seeing the are seeing the connection between workplace safety and public health. And you know, and that 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 may get even become even more apparent here in Nebraska is, as we reopen the state and people that are working in packing houses are out and about and are being exposed to more people who are being forced to return to work. Uh, in retail or or nursing or other types of services. So, you know, we may not be done with COVID-19 here in Nebraska. So, you know, last week or about a week and a half ago, I wrote and potted about, broadcast about a public nuisance suit that was filed in federal court in Missouri against Smithfield Foods that sought to sue Smithfield not for how their safety practices affected their workers, but how their safety practices affected the community as a whole by allowing the spread of COVID-19. Well, last week, the federal court dismissed that case and allowed and said, look, the civil justice system isn't the place to pursue this you need to file this with OSHA well of course you know OSHA the department of labor is being run by Gene Scalia who is no friend of you know no 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 workplace safety advocate this is a guy who argued against the ergonomic standard 20 years ago uh, that you know if that had been put in place there would be much fewer overuse injuries in in meatpacking houses so i mean Gene Scalia does not somebody who takes workplace safety seriously, in my view. But petitioning with OSHA, according to our federal, which is part of the Department of Labor, according to at least one federal court in Missouri, is how people are supposed to uh, address workplace safety, which is pretty ineffective. Uh, Mike Duff, Michael Duff, who's a professor at the University of Wyoming specializing in workers' comp and employment law, and writes a really good blog called the decision sort of a mood point and a mood point of an anti-liability fe- anti-liability feeling that he linked to the great reopening. So and I agree with the post, and I linked to it in a blog post that I'm going to put up on Monday or it's scheduled to go on Monday. So over the last week and a half, it's been very apparent to anybody who's paying attention that the response from corporate America to to the COVID-19 crisis is going to limit liability either by reforming tort laws and even by reforming workers' compensation laws. So it's easy to attack the Republicans and they deserve it. But the corporate... Assault on you know, the corporate push for immunity and tort reform related to COVID nineteen is not just something that's that, that's coming out of the, the the right or the MAGA people or the chuds or whatever you want to call them. Um, you know, NPR, you know, the, the paragon of you know liberalism and centerism and insanity. NPR did a story last week. Where they basically was a recorded public, basically a news release for the Chamber of Commerce. And that was on NPR. And I think that was on Planet Money or one of their other business shows. So, and again, a hat tip to uh, Jonathan Lewis May from Morgan and Morgan out of Memphis about a work comp lawyer down there t- t- writing a thread about that story you uh, and, and even blue state governors are immune are are immunizing some businesses from liability. J.B. Pritzker in Illinois is, you know, trying to is, is immunize to some extent is immunized medical providers. Um the governor of Connecticut, Ned Lamont, Ned Lamont, a former liberal hero who famously primaried Joe Lieberman back in two thousand six. Ned Lamont, the current governor of Connecticut, is moving to immunize nursing homes from COVID-19. I found that. Nicola Genty, a lawyer in Connecticut, posted that on her Twitter account. So, yeah, it's not just conservatives that are pushing pushing for this. But, hey, they're the ones that are largely in power in the federal government right now. So I'm going to focus on what the the federal efforts to limit liability from COVID-19. There was a tweet today from Nikki Haley, uh, who's touted as a successor to Donald Trump, assuming it's not Don Jr., or Eric, or Barron, or Ivanka, or whoever, but, you know, Nikki Haley's Trouted as a future Republican leader was talking about tort reform and how that needs to happen. And interesting, that tweet was liked by one of these work comp gurus or work comp pundits for the defense side. So, but I'm going to focus on the federal tort and worker efforts to re- reform tort and workers' compensation law. Um, and again, this popped up about a week and a half ago, and I think it was right after I published my last blog post or published a blog post and uh, a podcast but Donald Trump uh, is attempting to use President Trump is attempting to use the Defense Production Act in order to immunize packing houses from the consequences of COVID-19 you know from 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 liability for that and again the Defense Production Act is, is a law that was Passed during World War II, that would, would would force companies to produce things that they don't like for the war effort, and this is this would be a vast expansion of the Defense Production Act. I mean, basically immunizing meat packing plants for providing meat to the private sector, you know, not related to any type of war effort. So, um, and the more I looked up the Defense Production Act. I, I don't think the president, by executive order, can immunize a packing house for for um, from the consequences of COVID nineteen. I think it's well beyond it, the scope of that law. And there was a Supreme Court case, Youngstown Sheet and Tube, where the the Supreme Court overruled an executive order for Harry Truman. ...during the Korean War that would have forced a steel plant to keep producing during a labor strike. So, and I read that last week. Good case, good case to read read through if you're a lawyer. There's the Justice Jackson dissent. and I actually thought the um, Hugo, or not the dissent, the concurrence. I actually thought Hugo Black's concurrence was more powerful. And, but if you want to read that, <clears throat> it's a good one to, to read over. So... But yeah, I don't know that Trump can immunize companies by, by executive order. I mean, in, in that Youngstown sheet and tube case, the Supreme Court found that you know Truman's executive order was it exceeded his congressional authority. So, some of these Tory reformers and some of these Republicans are smart. Mitch McConnell, uh, a good example of that. McConnell, the Senate Majority Leader, has decided that he's gonna try to enact legislation that would immunize companies for exposures from lawsuits from from COVID-19. So if it passes through legislation, then yeah, it's probably constitutional. Now, a lot of question, at least from people who practice a lot of workers' compensation would wonder why would the federal law have any impact on workers' compensation um, for, for for a lot of reasons? I mean, one, there there's probably some objections to just saying that there needs to be workers' comp reform from COVID-19, period. I mean, the first one would be, whether it's state or federal, these COVID cases are difficult to prove for a lot of reasons. I mean, it's hard to show you know, were you impacted at work? And even in, in employers with high incidences of COVID-19, there's still, you know, you can still argue for each individual, you know, maybe they were exposed someplace else. I don't necessarily think that they're easy cases for meatpacking houses or for or for medical employees. So there's that. And also there's the fact that workers' compensation limits liability anyway through the, you know, the grand bargain of workers' compensation. So, but putting aside those issues, let's talk about the specific objections to reforming workers' compensation laws, state workers' compensation laws by an act of Congress. Now, I think this rubs a lot of people the wrong way in the workers' comp community and it seems a little far fetched for workers comp practitioners for a couple for for a couple of reasons particularly because workers compensation laws are state laws also that as a corollary insurance laws are are state laws under the McCarran Ferguson act mostly so there's a strong Barrier, you know, mental barrier, I think for a lot of lawyers to think that, okay, if they're going to immune, if they're, if they're going to give immunity to corporations for, for COVID-19 lawsuits, that doesn't include workers' compensation. I think it does. And here's why. Um, First of all, if you look at the air ambulance cases, in the, the air ambulance cases are what happens with the, the, those line of cases is you get people in rural areas or remote areas and they get hurt at work and they need to be transported by air ambulance usually sometimes a helicopter sometimes an airplane and those charges are exorbitant and you have a $50,000 bill and then workers compensation if it if it's if it's a work injury then you know, the the employers will turn that over to the to be fee scheduled under the Workers' Compensation Act in most states. But in that fee schedule is usually much less than the bill charge for an area ambulance. But the area ambulances have been largely successful in state and federal courts in arguing that their charges are preempted. Our federal law applies because of the federal uh because of the Federal aviation Act, so they're preempted and most state and federal courts have agreed with that, so you got that air ambulance line of cases out there that that basically more or less ignores the traditional state law basis of workers' compensation both under the McCarran-Ferguson Act and under the the 10th Amendment Police Powers Act. So, if you've followed, speaking of the 10th Amendment and the police powers, if you've been following the the quarantine situation, the state lockdowns, those quarantines and those state lockdowns, particularly in these, these blue states or Democratic governors, have been enacted under Tenth Amendment police powers, and what what's the federal government doing? You know, or the, the president doing? He's attacking government governors using those 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 police powers. So you have that. I think more ominously, from a legal point of view, is you have the Department of Justice under Attorney General um, Barr stating that the Department of Justice is going to scrutinize state laws that they think unduly interfere with he phrases this pretty cleverly national commerce so and if you're a lawyer and or, or kind of a con law head you know that, that sounds awful like the dormant commerce clause which again the dormant dormant commerce clause is something that comes from the late 19th century, early 20th century, and the Dormant Commerce Clause was when the federal government would strike down, judiciary would strike down state laws regarding public health and safety that they thought unduly affected interstate commerce. So Barr uses the term national commerce, but he's clearly trying to revive the what's called the Dormant Commerce Clause. And again, those would, you know, the... That that theory, that line of argument, could go to undercut state workers' comp, state workers' compensation laws. So yeah, I think if there is federal immunity for COVID nineteen, I think it is going to strike at workers' compensation laws. So and I also think that there's going to be some. Obviously, I think there's going to be efforts at at workers compensation reform at a at a state level you know going on and you know some of nebraska's is fortunate in that our fortunate unfortunate that our legislature only meets during dur- for a short time you know but that's assuming they don't get called into special session but yeah i think that that workers comp reform is going to be certainly could be an issue in Tory forms, certainly, very well could be an issue in state legislatures going forward. So, again, just because a state has police power to regulate health and safety doesn't mean that the state is going to use it. And it may be circling back to the fact that Governor Nebraska, Governor Pete Ricketts, is going to stop reporting or the state of Nebraska has ordered local health officials to stop reporting COVID-19 exposure at individual packing houses. And again, the reason for that was privacy concerns. That goes right back to the fact that a lot of those meat packing houses in particular don't like the fact that first reports of injury are public record because, again, it, it lays out their safety record for anybody who cares who care who cares to look now they frame it the 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 employers frame it as you you got these ambulance chasing workers comp lawyers send our clients letters and you know they're they're afraid to turn in their turn in injuries because they're going to get letters from ambulance chasing lawyers and you know i think that's bogus specious anymore so much advertising is done online and on social media i don't think those letters do a whole lot from a marketing perspective but i think the importance of the of of the first reports of injury being public is you can now you can track public health concerns just because you can't publish let's say a board of health a regional health authority or local health authority in the state of Nebraska can't publish that, you know, there was two hundred and fifty new cases of COVID nineteen at Smithfield at Smithfield and Crete, Nebraska, doesn't mean that you can't look that up, can't get that information from the Nebraska Workers Compensation Court. So again, I think there's strong public health reasons for keeping first reports of injury open. In Nebraska, and and again, that could be the least or public record, and that could be the least of, of of workers' comp reforms that are thought about to respond to COVID nineteen. My guess they'll probably just be the ones they always bring up anyway. But, um, yeah the, the the first reports of injury are interesting, and I think one reason why the state workers' compensation court reporting may be inadequate from a public health perspective is that employers don't really comply with that either of them. They don't want to. Um, many, like, I know Amazon doesn't like UPS all try to suppress claims. I think JBS in Nebraska and Grand Island is particularly bad about this. Um, not turning injuries over, not reporting injuries. So to, to the, to the state, so you have that and also there was some guidance from OSHA the that recently came out last month that stated that unless you're a healthcare employer you don't need to log COVID-19 as being occupational for the purposes of OSHA and those OSHA 300 reports if the if the employers when the employers fill those out, usually an OSHA 300 report means that they're going to file something with the state of Nebraska. And I think if you're looking at how people who administer and report this data, if they see that, well, I don't have to report this from OSHA, they may or may not report it, even if they're acting in good faith, which sometimes they don't. But even if they are acting in good faith, it may... It, it may confuse people say, well, if I don't have to report this to OSHA, then I guess I don't have to report this to the state either. So, yeah, so a lot of bad stuff going on. And in short, as much as I don't want, as much as I'm not looking forward to this election, as discouraged as I am with the Democratic Party in its nomination nominee for president this upcoming election is extremely important both at a state and a federal level because it could certainly, is probably going to shape how, how the, the economic and legal response to the COVID-19 crisis so yeah we got to get the right people in there but that's that's a bare minimum. There's got to be, a, you know, assuming that the right people get elected or the least worst people get elected, those officials, particularly the Democrats, the they need to be pressured, and there needs to be, you know, pressure from from organized labor. Uh, we we're and we're starting to see that you know, from workers themselves. There was a walkout in Crete uh, about a week ago. Last there was protests last week there needs to be more labor militants cuz the democratic party left its own devices is going to roll over and um as far as i'm concerned there i'm i don't i don't particularly care for them much anymore but they're the lesser of two evils but having the lesser of two evils may be important so anyway that's all for now have a happy mother's day and I will talk to you in a couple of weeks, thanks.